What is up, EOE community? I am so freaking excited to be starting our first series. We're going to be talking about over the next six weeks or five weeks, overcoming, transforming our struggles into inspiration and competitive advantage. We're all fighting a battle. Everyone you meet, some of these battles you can see and are obvious. Some of the battles we can't, but we all need to draw inspiration and belief to overcome and win the fight that we're fighting. Other, watching other people win and succeed by struggling with their demons or at least making a deal with them to be able to move forward inspires us and encourages us to know that we could do the same. Our goal is to give you the courage and the belief that you can overcome whatever the challenges you're seeing, whether you can see it or you can't see it, whether people know or they don't. And to remind you that you're not alone in your struggle. You'll be hearing from Kevin Nahai, overcame an eating disorder. He's a coach. He deals in a whole bunch of different, with different uh, <laughs> disciplines. Uh, Chris Singleton, he lost his mom tragically in a shooting at, at an African-American church. Tom White's overcome Tourette's syndrome. We've got a bunch of other heavy hitters that are going to be giving us the anchor on that. If you are struggling and you are looking for direction, you're looking for inspiration, you feel like that you're just chasing these goals and dreams, but you just are afraid they're going to die inside you. You're never going to be able to get ahead of this. You're not enough. You're disqualified by these challenge and limitations. This series is for you. I'm ready to rock and roll. Stick shift, engage. Let's do this. I love it. Perfect. All right, so I love the swag. As welcome well. you have back. Swag as well. Oh, I would love some swag. Oh, it's pretty awesome. Oh, totally, uh, sorry. dude. I'll, I'll totally will, get you some you, stuff. What we? I will let you. I will let you go in. I'll stop interrupting you. This is the intro. We are now keeping this. But on the topic of swag, thanks for bringing it up. Um, we do things um, by like, so we do it by order. So we're going to be doing like a, we're calling it like a spring summer type of a thing. So I'll Amazing. just get your size. We'll get you a bunch of stuff. Our guests, we always do that for us. So we'll get you some custom Amazing. stuff, some cool colors. And if anyone else wants some merch, it's coming out soon. So check it out. But I'm so jacked. Welcome back, EOE community. You guys are going to have a fucking blast so we're gonna put the explicit right up front here today <laughs> we are gonna have so much fun i cannot wait to interview for this overcoming series this inspirational series of taking our challenges making them competitive advantages allowing the places that we are to not define where we're going and to continue to crush our goals and our accomplishments with my man tom white but before you say anything i got to give you an illustrious illustrious introduction if that's okay far too kind far too this? kind yes please so we got uh first off tom white is brilliant fact 100 percent fact you, I, have, brilliant I have you dude. fooled um, i appreciate that got me fooled no problem <laughs> I already, i'm already sending you money i thought you were the prince of nigeria i mean i was already sending my money over <laughs> I just need help but, uh, taking this right? treasure from the United States to my family. Yeah, no, I'm Correct. Yeah, and I just need $3,000 for transportation fees. I mean, that's not asking much. I'm going to send you 20,000 pounds of gold. But um, we have Tom is a writing partner of OnDeck. Um, he has a background in some big tech stuff. Uh, he's a writer for his newsletter, White Noise. He's a TEDx talk fellow. And I, I, I've been butchering this. I, I've basically been saying you helped to do some back-end stuff with like a club room with Elon Musk. I don't know if that's even true at this point. Is that is that is true, right? That is true. That is true. Nigger, so Sharam okay, Krishnan is a good friend. He's absolutely incredible. He's a general partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Um, and he runs this show on Clubhouse called Good Time. And how he gets these guests, I'm, I'm in awe at. Um, but in one week, he had Elon Musk... Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Brian Armstrong is the CEO of Coinbase. He then had um, Diane von Furstenberg or Fostenberg. I'm, I'm butchering that name. Um, and additionally, uh, this week he has the Chainsmokers coming on uh, and Annie Duke, who's a Sweet. poker pro. And he's had Triple H, who was a former professional wrestler. 
Uh, and Mr. Beast, who's what? this uh, like YouTube influencer with like tens of millions of subscribers. So, but he is kind of at the intersection of all these different worlds, and I think it's the most um, listened to show on Clubhouse. So I do a lot of the background on the guests, the research, um, help a bit with questions and talk tracks because we try to make it neat and fresh as opposed to like a classic banal conversation like having them answer the yeah. same questions they ask on every other clubhouse or podcast or what have you so yeah that's right. uh one one thing that i have my uh my hand in i love it i love it so i saw now i met tom on on deck i'm, I'm glad i'm also haven't been lying to because i've been telling everybody <laughs> that and like sometimes <laughs> i hear something and like i think it's true and it's not so i'm so glad i'm not lying um but I'm going to – I met Tom um, through On Deck. I'm part of the podcast fellowship, and I watched his TED Talk that was just as gutsy and brilliant and you know raw and authentic. And I just am like, I fucking love this guy. And by the way, um, if you haven't noticed, um, Tom, I'll let you kind of go into – because I forget the exact term. That is the part of the, your Tourette syndrome, but I want to make sure everyone clear that you're not cursing at them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as you can probably hear, I have uh, Tourette syndrome. It's a neurological disorder characterized by multiple motor and vocal uh, tics. Um, it's neurological warfare, candidly. I've had it since I was nine. It waxes and wanes. There's no cure. There's no um, line of treatment. There's no... Um, unfortunately there's no um set regimen because like pharmacologically it doesn't behoove these companies to research it because it's not fatal not that profitable and it's so rare so it falls in the sweet spot of those kind of neglected illnesses but um i've had it since the age of nine um it is it is both gift and curse uh and the latter i say quite literally because one of the manifestations is uh a thing called coprolalia, which is involuntarily swearing and cursing and things like that. So although the media likes to home in on that and um, and discuss it as the brunt of many a vicious uh, quip or joke, uh, it only manifests in a small percentage of people with threat. Um, it waxes and wanes. Some days it's good. Some days it's bad. Um, but basically my unique um kind of neurological psychological makeup is is complex and fascinating in that i have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder and tourette syndrome comorbidity so what that means is i mm. i'm i want to be seen as kind i want to be seen as intelligent i want to be seen as a person that loves others that is compassionate that that wants to 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 show to others that their impact in my life is positive so my kind of obsession and my fixation with that um, is latched onto by the Tourette. And this is the vicious cycle that I go through on a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month cycle. And it's like, oh, you don't want to appear unkind, harsh, um, like cursing, uncouth, any one of these things. What's something that I can say or latch onto that would be um, a bad thing to say in X circumstance or Y circumstance? So with Tourette, it's um, neurological warfare, and it's it's likened to um, kind of like having glass in the brain almost. It's uh, like an uncontrollable wow. itch, and you don't mm. get relief from the pressure of that itch until mm. you tick. You do that involuntary response that gives the brain a squirt of dopamine. So just like when you pull down on Twitter or you pull down on Instagram and it refreshes – that shot of dopamine that keeps you coming back to those drips is exactly what's happening in my brain on uh, a minute by minute basis. And that's simply because of neurochemical misbalances or imbalances, pardon me. So that right. that's how it, it works. And then obviously when I, when I do tick um, these, these things, I get really stressed and anxious because I don't want people to see me as unkind. So it feeds right, right back into that loop. Um, what the, yeah, so it's um, it's a very it's a very cruel, nasty, creative, um, and unpredictable disease. Um, right. Everyone with Tourette manifests differently, um, and it's oftentimes a spectrum with different comorbidities like OCD, ADHD, um, depression, um, 
uh, all these different kind of, uh, kind of things. But, um, candidly, I, I'm, I'm still uncomfortable talking about it because I, I have a lot of, Mm. uh, shame for it and a lot of regret Mm. and a lot of difficulty conversing with it because it's a part of me that's inherently part of me, but one that I do not like and that I, I can try to overcome, but I don't have the ability to, I'm still trying. It's a work in progress. Mm. Um, my goal is candidly to make enough money to start a foundation to alleviate uh, neuropsychiatric illness and suffering because per Publius Cirrus, pain of mind is uh, much more difficult and acute than pain of body, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think we're still, we're, we're still in the middle ages with regards to mental health. I think we're getting there, neurological health, sure. psychological, psychiatric health. It's one thing... Um, if someone has a broken bone, it's okay. Yeah, I get that. If you have diabetes, okay, I get that. If you have depression, yeah. if you have schizophrenia, if you have Tourette, if you have any one of these right. things, it's incredibly difficult right. for people to empathize. And oftentimes they, they just mm-hmm. don't buy it or they don't believe it, which is kind of like a dagger in the heart. It's like, there's nothing that these people, these right. people saying those that kind of suffer and grapple with these these maladies want then to be yep. healthy, to have the urges go away, the ticks go away, the voices go away, the obsessions and the compulsions go away. Right. So, um, yeah, it's very, 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 very difficult. And all that being said, um, I am incredibly lucky. Candidly, I was dealt pocket aces in life. Um, family, friends, faith, mm. it's the, the tripartite foundation upon which my life is built. Um, I, um, I, I really have no right to complain because I have a loving family. My younger brother's my best friend. I'm so tight with my parents. I have 19 first cousins, over a hundred second cousins, uh, very many family and friends. Um, very, yeah, it's, it's a big fat Irish Catholic family, uh, per usual, um, a lot of, a lot of friends from different walks in my life, from high school, from college, from a bunch of companies that I worked at. I'm actually at a friend's house right now, um, that I met. Uh, through work mm. in uh, in Colorado, um, and then Love it. I um yeah I faith faith for me is everything. The belief that all of this suffering, all of this difficulty, is not for naught, but rather mm. it is a means by which I become better as a person. I maybe am able to inspire one per one person, two people, three people. And maybe live through my actions right. as an individual that's a man for others, uh, that can inspire others, yeah. and to just offer up the suffering because it it makes me, because of the, the like warfare that I go through on a minute by minute basis, um, psychologically right. I'm I'm very, very strong in that nothing can phase me because I've been through it all in my own head. Also, no sure. external thing can really yeah. like rattle me or anything like that. So that is a very, very long, convoluted, um, verbose I love it. Uh, answer. Uh, so I apologize for kind of going all over the place from the get-go. It's all good. The good news is no one has ever accused me of being succinct, Tom, so you're in good company. So <laughs> that's why we get the along. audience here knows that that's just, just how we roll. That's just how we roll. So, yeah, and I find – I think that one of the things that I admired so much – Outside of you specifically doing things that were going to be extra difficult, you know, like you don't ever, you could just do writing, you don't you know, you're yeah. a brilliant writer, you know, you don't ever have to do a TED talk, you know, like to say, you know, what, here's my area that I'm most ashamed, I'm most weak in. That's, I'm going to put myself up on a pedestal and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to, you know, be a ball boy at the U.S. Open where you can't move, where you know that you are going to literally have to stand there. Otherwise, you are going to mess up potentially this game and you're going to be under attack. It's like you literally trying to stand there. So I think it'd be unfair. You know, I don't really talk about my own stuff often. It's like fu- it's like this funny thing. Like I can interview you be like, that's so great that you talk about your own things. I just feel like yeah. it to be a selfish thing to not reciprocate, you know. Yeah. So um, and I haven't talked much. About, I've never talked much about this. Most people won't hear this or I've heard this prior. I, I had another episode where someone wanted to talk a little bit about it. But on the mental health um, on that on that topic, which is kind of this is going to end up going in this direction anyway. The difficult thing I find with mental health, because I've been diagnosed with mental health issues, and I'll kind of go through what some of those things are. It's 
you, it's mm. the worry is being looked at through a frame of that's who you are. And that's yes. what I believe to be the biggest stigma. So the thing that I find is both probably the hardest and the most um, liberating of what the, the mental health disorder that you're suffering from is there is no hiding from it. It's something that you yep. have to bring it out. You know, for my things, you know, a lot of things, and, and they don't know, and I haven't had, like I've spoken to a bunch of different psychiatrists, different things. I don't know if it's, I believe it's partially genetic and biochemical. I believe it's partially different things, you know, but whether they call it cyclothymia, they call it bipolar, they call it depression, they call these different things. These just, ha I, I, I suffer for myself where certain times I feel one way, certain times I feel a different way. Sometimes I have, you know, and it's just this, it's a very difficult thing to explain or even yes. talk about because you don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to share that shit. I'm fine talking yeah. about you. Like, oh, Tom, you talk about it. That's great. Inspire people. But none of us want to share what we struggle with, you know? Yeah. And I think ironically enough, there's this quote from, I think the Stoic philosopher it might've been Seneca, but um, if you were to take all of the issues and the difficulties and the shit candidly that people deal with throw it all in a big pile and you give someone a choice yep. of taking their yeah. own or one at random, they would always take their yeah. own because we, you have no idea what that other person is going through. And for me, it's given true. my, my malady um, and it's, I don't, I don't like calling it that. It's just like, kind of like a, right. it's a challenge that I'm working through. It's a curse and it's a blessing because my brain fires much more quickly than other individuals because of it. So it's like a whirling right. dervish of activity. But because of that, I've become – I'm a lot more empathetic, compassionate, and um, I think I, – I, I hesitate to say patient because I'm a New Yorker. So like slow walkers drive me insane. I'm very impatient. First <laughs> a honk um, at a red light. But um, more um, – yep more tolerant of others because I know there may well be some yoke, some chain, some bag that they're carrying mm. that is unfathomable in difficulty to me. Right. And simply yep. because my disorder is conspicuous, it's out there, does not invalidate the silent suffering that so many people go through. Many, And oftentimes, I'm forced to talk about my issues because it comes out on a literal and figurative right. basis. Look, so many people, if I, I candidly, if, if it was inconspicuous, I don't know if I would discuss it, would disclose it, would talk about it. So mm -hmm. many people are carrying these burdens, keeping them to themselves, um, right. and are not forcing themselves to talk about them. And I think that slowly erodes at you and eats you. And it's just exhausting, uh, mentally, emotionally psychologically physically even um so i think i think it's it's important to discuss it's important to bring to the forefront it's important to put out there simply because um many people in my shoes that have what i have do not go outside don't work don't talk don't like do anything i know like they've like suicide's pretty high I don't have wow. the choice. I have the duty to tell my story, duty to maybe inspire one of those people mm -hmm. because thankfully I've been blessed yeah. with the ability to tell the story, to articulate it pretty clearly in both the spoken and written word so that right. maybe it hits someone and that it inspires a modicum more of empathy, of kindness, of um, – Mm. of uh, a suspension of, of judgment over something that you candidly could never even imagine. And I would never wish on my worst enemy because it's very difficult. Right. Well, yeah. Right. Well, I, I know that you're going to inspire a lot of people and really the, the purpose, one of the main things I want to talk about, cause I do want to pivot off that too, because there's so much more to what you're doing. And I think that that's the important message is that we are not our limitations. We are not yes. our God given talents. Our identity goes so much deeper than that on that, on that note and on that vein. You wrote in your bio that during mm -hmm. the days you write, consult, pray, and think vigorously about your telos. And for those that don't yeah. know telos, I, you know, I have it here, which is a Greek term that was used by Aristotle to refer to the full potential or the inherent purpose or objective of a person. So it's really your capability. You know, you're praying and thinking about your capabilities. Talk to me about how you see yourself 
um, and what how you identify yourself. That's a really, really good question. Um, and I, I wish I knew, candidly. One quote, uh, and I recommend that everybody read it. It's a book called Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Rilke. It's absolutely mm. fascinating. It's about a young German poet. It's his private correspondence with an individual that went to the high school that he attended. And it was the it was like a cold email, but like actually written correspondence. Like, hey, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. How would you advise me? Because I know you didn't fit into yeah. the school. What what would you say I do? Um, and this this book has so many truth bombs. I read it year in and year out. Um, my copy of it is dog-eared and annotated and such. Uh, Letters to a young poet. It's a hundred, hundred and ten pages. Really, really easy to to kind of breeze through. But um, the quote that I think is is marvelous, um, and you'll notice this about me because I'm a nerd. I read so much, and I, I just quote a bunch of different things. Uh, I have no original thoughts of my own. I love it. But um, the quote is, be patient. Be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are now mm. written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers mm. which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Love Perhaps it. you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. So for me, I don't know what my telos I is. I don't know what First that off, is. I, I don't know anyone that, that quotes paragraphs. Like that was just, you know, normally it's like a line, you know, I, I, I was unaware that we were going to be like, let me just give you page 72. I love it. I I mean, I, I think about that quote a lot and I really, really reflect on it. Another one, actually, let's keep the quote parade going. I um, that I think is germane is from this uh, writer, E.L. Doctorow. And his quote, um, his quote, it was originally about writing, but I've modified it a little bit and bastardized it for life. Um, life is just like driving at night. You can only see what's right ahead of you, but you can make the whole journey that way. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, that's mm. awesome because like we're so obsessed with like, oh, we're going to like jumping yeah. through hoops, like getting that next accolade promotion, like trying to fill a void or a hole in our soul uh, with with those mm. things that just don't fit or are not large enough or are not of the same substance of the stuff that makes humans humans. So for me, the most important thing, and I struggle with this because I'm addicted to my phone and like social media and all that stuff, but totally. it's being present. It's understanding the, the present moment, being fully engaged like I am in this conversation with you because I'm never going to get this back. Right. Time is a fleeting asset. I have no idea how how much longer I have. God willing, it's uh, a lot a lot longer, but nothing's guaranteed. So how can I be right. present? How can I immerse myself? How can I just literally keep putting one foot in front of the other and moving forward mm. so as to live a present, a kind um, a, a full life. Um, I think there's a difference between, um, living, existing and living. A lot of people simply exist. Not many people live. Um, and a lot of people conflate, sure. conflate breathing with living. Um, and I can go into yeah. that like further and I think maybe it's, it's apparent, but, um, yeah, for me, um, it's not, yeah, I, I guess I'll stop there. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that uh, one of the things I think that'd be a great lesson for everyone to learn, for all of us to continue to learn, is that when you're living on the edge of your capabilities, when you're doing things you can't do or shouldn't do or are difficult yeah. to do, that's when we're really we're growing. You know, um, you know, you begin dying when you decide to be allow yourself to become totally objectified by a situation or a trauma or an issue or a disorder or however we're going to define it. And if you decide that you're going to become a recluse and you're no longer going to trust and go out and try and fail and be hurt, life's over. On that note, do you ever Yeah, just to add on feel, that. Because I, I found – Just to add – can I please. just jump in on there? Um, it's, think of it as like weightlifting yeah, we're just, or training. Our connection's a little slow, so. Oh, my bad. Yeah, classic Colorado Wi-Fi. Um, no offense, Colorado. Um, 
but um, it's like it's like working out or weightlifting, right? Like you're only building muscle mass when you're at the edge of mm. comfort. If you keep lifting right. five pound dumbbells for the rest of your life, you're not going to get any stronger. You're not going to grow. But if you right. go from five to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 25, and keep ascending and hitting that threshold and having that pain um, that leads to growth, right. that is the most essential thing. Um, so for me, um, it's honestly, it's like, hey, why not? Like, why wouldn't I do a podcast? Why wouldn't I try for a TED Talk? Like, and for me, it's like, one, if people judge me for different things that I can't control or tread or something, like it's kind of a blessing and it's in a filter. I don't want those people in my life in any way, shape or form because they're probably Absolutely. ignorant, superficial, closed-minded. Um, and if, if yeah. I shoot uh, a shot and like someone like rejects it or says no, like what I learned in sale, like no is a two letter word. That's it. Like it doesn't matter. You have to shoot your shots mm -hmm. um, because you never know when that one is going to mm -hmm. go in. That's going to change everything for you in every way, shape and form. Amen. Amen, dude. Amen. Well, you, you, if you could talk about on that, let's, let's dovetail in a different d d direction here, you know, cause you've pursued a life and I, I'm going to go to a quote that you wrote that I want to come back to, but you were living this. So this is from stopping by the Silicone street podcast. Yeah. Um, I think that's what, yeah, that's, that's what it's from, right? That's what it's called. Okay. Yep. Correct. Yep. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I feel that most of what we consider contemporary professional work resembles the above phrases. It is obscure, futile, and light on real meaning. It is jargon writ large. Professional patina lazily smeared atop muddled thought and unclear purpose. It is a confusing it is confusion masquerading as cogency, bullshit impersonating bravado. It reigns supreme in the harshly lit, drop-ceilinged offices of old. This is not to say that it is bad, just mostly banal and boring. After all, we work for pay, not play. This may change given the concurrent rise of the passion and community economies. However, that's a note for another day. Today's that day because you're in that you're in that yeah. space. You know, you are from what you have told me, you went from kind of big tech, whatever corporate to now yeah. you started a newsletter and you, you went in on just doing the thing that anyone could do, but usually doesn't. Yeah. And you did it. And now from what I understand, that's opened up where you're now writing for a living. You are part of this passion content creating community. So if you could talk about how you got there and give kind of a little bit of inspiration on how other people can get there themselves. I think nigger, the first thing is just to start. Nigger, the first thing nigger, is just to start to create, nigger, to keep creating that thing that you are doing, whether that be writing, whether that be podcasting, whether that be art, mm -hmm. and keep creating, keep publishing. And I think nigger, importantly, do so in public. The only reason why I write publicly, ironically enough, nigger, is that it's a forcing function because I'm not good at being accountable to myself. I'm very good at being accountable to other individuals. So I push because I know there's pressure of individuals like, hey, like, where's your newsletter this week? Oh, I thought you wrote like a weekly newsletter. And nigger, candidly, I still feel that pressure right, right now because I think I'm like 10 days since sending my last one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that kind of that pressure. But nigger, Keep creating. And the important thing about doing so in public is you never know who is going to stumble upon your creation, your podcast, your writing, your art. Reach so out true. to you and have a conversation that changes everything. I wish I started writing online 10 years ago because it has led to connections, both personal and professional, that literally changed the trajectory of my life and my career. And putting my stuff out there has led to fascinating conversations, has led to jobs, to opportunities, to speaking engagements, to appearing on podcasts like this one. Just putting yourself out there. And I, I have enough because the internet is, it's just, again, this is like a, a longer theme, but like the internet is basically destroying geographic proximity. It no longer matters where right. you are, who you are how you yep. are if you we're on a planet of what 6.57 billion individuals mathematically there is someone out there that is interested in the things that you are interested in there is someone no out doubt. there that very much wants to hear your perspective and by and just to kind of like to podcast and writing by writing 
figure you're even if you do it poorly, even if you're a terrible writer, like even if you write good, um, when you write, you're better ordering mm-hmm. your thoughts, you're better refining your perceptions, and you're better like stress testing your ideas and arguments. Even if it's bad, because eventually it has to be bad in order to be good. To run a marathon, you run half a mile, one mile, two miles, three miles to get to 26.2. You don't jump right in and you can't expect that. So consistency compounds over time and you never know when one of those articles, those things that you've created that you put out there lands uh, or comes across the desk of so-and-so that you want to inspire. And that changes it. And that happened for me. I mean, that's why, like, I mean, I'm, I edit now, I ghostwrite, I write, um, and I'm a nerd. So my job is kind of my dream. I get to read, to write, uh, and to converse with really intelligent people every day. And I get paid for that. Like, if you had told, like, college, Tom, Super that that cool. was a possibility, as opposed to, like, doing, like, uh, I don't know, like, discounted cash flows and, like, consulting and leveraging synergies and all that. Nope. And boiling the ocean, I'm like, nah, I'm like, nah, that the world doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But like, I, that's what I do, and I can do it from anywhere in the world because of this right. wonderful thing called the internet that connects individuals. And there's a quote um, from C.S. Lewis um, about friendship. I just want to find it. Uh, unfortunately, I want to, uh, I, I don't have this one memorized. I'm gonna have to read it. I'm just uh, googling it right now. But it's about, um, I love it. Um, and we can end with this out. On that, while you search for it, I don't know if you've ever read Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. This thing's wrecking me lately. I think that you'd really like this one. I'll send you a copy. Yeah, please please send me the link. I would love that. So this is – and I think what undergirds the passion economy, the community economy, and I hate those terms for it. Honestly, I think there are better ones, but it's just – we have our disposal – is it now allows for people to yep. tap into community, particularly now with COVID. People are pining for connection. They're pining for yep. conversation. They're pining to get out of their houses, mm-hmm. out of their heads, and converse and live socially because we're social animals. Right. So I think the one thing that's the right. linchpin that holds all of this together that makes it so palpable and powerful is that it results in friendship. It is a melding of the personal and the professional. Work-life balance is non-existent. I reject that. It's work-life harmony. And I think next 10 years, 15 years, you're going to see the rise of individual creators, individual communities, individuals that are able to command a large presence, that are able to because of the loyalty and trust and honesty no and authenticity doubt. that they've shared with their um, their members of um, their communities or those that listen to their podcast, they have become friends with them and those individuals trust them. And I think this is coming in a fascinating time when trust in institutions um, such as the government, um, big tech, financial institutions, so Wall true. Street is at an all time low. So you're seeing the ascent of the individual and the descent of corporations, media outlets, federal, local, state, municipal governments. And I think this is where the individual comes through. And it may well be the decade of the individual. But on that note, I found the quote from um, C.S. Lewis on friendship. Friendship arises out of mere companionship. When two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which, till that moment, each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening mm. friendship would be something like, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. It is when two such persons yep. discover one another, when whether with immense difficulties and semi-articulate fumblings, or with what would seem to us amazing and elliptical speed, they share their vision. It is then that friendship is born, and mm. instantly they stand together in an immense solitude. I love it. I love that. That's how I felt when I met you. Yeah, That's how amen, I felt when man. I met you. Best amen. friend status. Instantly, get <laughs> out Long Island, oh, baby. That, that's that's that is that. I, that's it, man. Uh, this is such a important topic. We covered a whole range of things. I kind of bring it back and kind of wrap some of this stuff up. This idea that I can sit here in Middle Island, New York, 
you're out in shitty Wi-Fi, Colorado, great skiing, shitty Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> and you are I, – we, I have at my disposal studio-grade connection, software. I, you can get the equipment. It's not that expensive. The fact that I can broadcast to anybody, I feel that as it becomes commonplace, people have lost the magic that mm. w- I literally own a production company. I have yes. all of the tools – that every major network had at their disposal alone a few decades ago, and everybody has it. They have a printing press. They have distribution. They have mm-hmm. the ability to do that, and that's what's so cool about building community. The funny thing, and I don't even know if you know that we haven't talked about this. We've been building community for the last 15 years is kind of what we've been doing, and we've been doing it totally offline. We've been doing it with some business models, but we've been kind of wrapping it around financial literacy and healthy relationships and having a strong foundation of morals and ethics, uh, different faiths, but kind of really, you know, real strong principles at the foundation, helping people become happy, fulfilled millionaires. But mm. with you start getting out, you just get that message out. You can literally start a revolution and a movement in your boxers in your freaking closet if you want to. Yep. I 100% agree with you. And the crazy thing about is it's, it's like, it's like Newton's law of motion. Like objects at rest tend to stay at rest. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. So when you start moving, shaking, creating the, the snowball effect of that and the compounding that you will see is something that is – it's a Nutella problem. That's what I call these things or a Nutella situation. I can describe to you in such granular detail the taste of Nutella. But unless you actually take a scoop yes. of that chocolate hazelnutty yep. goodness, you will never know what that tastes like. You will never know right. the power of these things unless you start putting your creations out into the world. And like you said, Anthony, it's been decentralized. Now it's it's not a pure idea meritocracy, but anyone can ascend based upon the weight, the heft, the quality of their ideas, their productions, their creations or things like that. Um, and to your point, like about you having a production company, I was like, fine, I plan. I was just thinking, I mean, like all these things that we take for granted, and yet we're still so unhappy. And that's such another, another conversation. Like we have supercomputers in our pockets. Yes. We have planes, trains, and automobiles, and yet we're like so unhappy and everything's yep. awful. And I mean, it goes back to another quote, again, the quote machine. Um, like there are two two ways to kind of see the world, that everything is a miracle or that nothing is. And when you pivot Absolutely. from the latter to the former, and I think so that was true. Einstein who said it, it's like, wow, like I'm flying through a metal bird uh, going 400 miles an hour, it's negative 27 degrees Fahrenheit outside and I'm safe and I can breathe yeah. and I'm watching a movie on this supercomputer that is beaming down internet from space. Try explaining yeah. that to someone Louis in the 17th CK century. Special. Yeah, try explaining that to someone in the 17th century and they'd send you to an asylum immediately or they'd burn you at the stake or something like that. We mm-hmm. have such tremendous technology at our disposal, but, and this is the counterpoint, I think... If you don't use your tools, your tools use you. And I think we're trending towards the Mm -hmm. latter in a lot of different ways. We don't use our smartphones. Our smartphones use us because we have a slot machine, a casino, everything in our pocket. And that intermittent um, reward mechanism uh, via dopamine is is very, very dangerous. And I, I say like in jest, I'm addicted to my phone, but like, I, I think I could say I, I'm addicted to my phone, like for work, for life, communication, navigation. Sure. I feel uncomfortable I when I leave the house yep. um, without my phone. So I think while all these things are good and they're great, I think they're um, it's it's difficult because I think it's wreaking havoc on the mental health of individuals because they don't know how to tolerate or calibrate it. It is. Oh, it's so true. It's so true because it's so addictive. And the interesting thing is we have all this technology. We have all this ability. We have all this yeah. prosperity. I mean the level of prosperity is, is off the charts compared to what it used to be. People just don't realize because our wants become 
our wants become needs as we get our wants. So it all of a sudden it becomes baseline. It's like, well, I need to get a manicure and I need to get, yep. uh, I need to eat steak out at this restaurant and I need to have a massage every week. I can't, it becomes, goes from wants to needs so quick. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't replace the things that actually matter. It doesn't replace relationship. Yeah. It doesn't replace a spiritual foundation and a striving for faith and an intellectual wrestling with our personal philosophy. It doesn't replace the sunset or the time with our kids and our family, uh, great conversation and friends. None of that stuff. Re if it, if it, if that was totally en masse replaced, then ever, or the lockdown would have been the best thing ever. And no one would ever want to leave their house again, which is obviously the total. 100%. Opposite. Yeah. So I am um, to pivot a little I, bit. Just, sure just get, on that, oh, you, just you, on that note about just to quickly say on the, the lockdown, um, COVID, I think for me and maybe a lot of different other individuals was a tremendous wake up call because it made me realize how little I need to truly be happy. Food on the table, roof so over my head, true. loving family, friends, yep. um, and, and health of like mind, body, soul. That's all I need. And that's simple. But that's not it's easy, true. and I think that's life writ large, right? It's simple, but it's certainly not easy. So I think – I don't know. That was a wake-up call for mm -hmm. me, and I, I could not agree with you more. Yeah. I, I Also, not to get too theological, but that idea <laughs> of anti-striving I feel to be the core – for us to be able to have happiness because otherwise that success and that desire and that performance orientation, it just gets you, you know, yes. and it's this weird space that very often we get caught in, particularly when we want to make a difference. We want to do things that matter. We want to, you know, create things and build things. We want to have big businesses. We want to, you know, be able to leave legacy wealth. Like, you know, many of us want to do want to fund yeah. research. We feel that the burden of, and I'm certain that you think to yourself, I have this burden that yeah. I, if I don't, make enough money and fund this, then there's going to be other people that suffer with Tourette's the way I do that didn't have to. So, but when we put ourselves in that place of God and we get in this striving position, as we accomplish those things, we use our soul to feed the furnace yeah. of ambition until we have nothing of ourselves left. So yeah. that's, a, that's a whole nother topic. But before we go too deep, because we're getting real deep there, let's make it <laughs> some tangibles. Perfect. What are some tools and systems and thoughts that you, that you use to maximize your telos, particularly around feeling like you have this limitation or disorder, known or just not own, not not known. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For me, I try to orient myself around um, like cardinal virtues and like theological virtues. So like cardinal virtues being um, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, and theological uh, virtues being faith, hope, and love. Those are directionally the things towards which I aspire. And I think to your point, this our culture is one of success and hustle porn and productivity and all this crap. But no one mm -hmm. asks why. Like you want the raise, right. but why do you want the raise? And if you go deeply enough and you really, really ask questions, why do you want the raise? I want a bigger house. Why do you want a bigger house? I have so many kids. Why do you like, why do you have so many kids? Oh, like, because I want like a larger family. Why do you want a larger family? Oh, like the root of all of these desires and the want slash needs are one of those things. Oh, it's because I want more love in my life. Yeah. I want more respect in my life. I want to be wiser. I want mm -hmm. to, to be brave, to have courage, to have fortitude in moments of distress. I want to have hope that the future is better mm -hmm. for me, for my children, my grandchildren. Um, so for me, those, the, if like, if the, if the world, I mean, those are really like the foundation and the bedrock of any want or need that we can express. Um, and that makes it really simple for me. Um, or at least I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that it makes yeah. it aspirationally simple, but like most people, I often don't act right. in my best interest. I'm irrational and I do things that sure. are like foolish because you know, we're, we're animals. We're, we're not like, um, rational creatures. We're irrational, social, emotional animals. Right. So that's one thing that I utilize. Another is, um, stoicism. And this is much easier said than done. I think, I think stoicism is probably the epitome of simple, not easy. So stoicism yeah, totally. is tremendous in that it is incredibly liberating because basically it says it buckets things in life, things you can control and things you can't. 
things that you cannot mm-hmm. control, don't worry about, don't stress about, like you have no impact on that. Why expend the mental psychological energy on that? Right. There are things you can control your conduct, your actions, your health or your, uh, not your health, but like your, um, like physical fitness and things like that. Like you can control those things, focus on those things. But the really, really funny thing is, and this is where it's kind of like a mind fuck is mm. if things happen and they happen, if I get punched in the face, for instance, if you punch me in the face, not that you, you could as we're virtual, but that's an event. Stretch on stretch Armstrong. Yeah, seriously. That's an event. But what dictates the color or the patina of that event is my perception of it. So mm. a quote from that is nothing either good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. So in that way, you have tremendous freedom to dictate the perceptions that you're seeing of the events in your life. And based on that, you can turn any negative into a positive and you can invert so that mentally, psychologically, physically, like you can see what were once hindrances and headwinds becoming tremendous tailwinds that really power you forward just from that cognitive reframing. So again, I aspire to do that. It is insanely difficult to do on a daily basis. Like when, when, um, when I'm stuck in traffic, like the last thing is like, oh, like the lesson of traffic and patience. Like, no, I want to get like to point from point A to point B. Like, let's get the show on the road. But if you do that, it's a tremendous yeah. practice to really allow you to to better understand um, how much your thoughts influence your perceptions and how much your perceptions influence your existence. Yeah, huge. I was um listening to Creativity Inc. by one of the founders of Pixar, and it said that one of the problems people have with drawing is they draw what they think they see. They, they can't draw what's actually there because so much so of what we see is our mental model and never reality. So yeah. that's why some people are such poor drawers because they're drawing as it should be. They think it is what they see versus what's actually there. Rolling back before we kind of close this down, even worse – than the kind of the digging into what people are trying to get, whether it be respect, it be, you know, security. I find the worst trap that I see people get stuck in is we say, okay, you're doing something for your family. You're doing something because you love people. And in the process of you pursuing this empty venture, you lose the people you love. Very often, the thing that we want, we already have. There's nothing worse than chasing after something that is a figment or a shadow of the thing that we already actually have, which is such an easy thing to do when we think that what we're doing is more important than our roles as sons and brothers and husbands and fathers and mothers and sisters and citizens that no one else can fill. It's the most important thing. It's got to start from where we are. Um, To close down, and I think this will hopefully be really impactful, Someone comes to you because there's people that are listening here. There's uh, most of this audience, the people that are listening to both of us, they are people that are striving for more. They want to make a better world. They're change makers. They're breaking uh, bondage of poverty and, and, you know, low self-image in their family where they're striving to build companies or striving to get out and do things that matter. You know, there's nobody that listens to this podcast that says, you know what, I just I don't care. And they've given up. These are people wanting and striving for more. But I'm certain many of them think to themselves, I'm not enough, and I can't, and this thing has disqualified me, and you have no idea what I've done, you have no idea what I've said, you have no idea how difficult it is for me because of this ailment, this choice, this position, fill in the blank. Because whether it be Tourette's, it be OCD, it be trauma, it be PTSD, it be low self-image, it be no money, it be our belief system, it's all an iteration of the same thing that I'm not enough and I can't. What would you say to somebody or what examples could you give of anything personal life? Tom White only, nobody else, no, we got to put shut down the quote machine only from you. What would you say to those people? Um, this is stolen from somewhere. I forget where I read it, but you don't um, have a right to the cards that you should have been dealt. You have the fucking duty to play the hell out of the hands you were. Everyone has a voice, everyone has a story, everyone has actions, everyone has a background. Live in the past, die in the past. There's nothing that you can change about those things. 
focus on what's ahead of you. Driving at night, the lights, the illuminated road ahead of you. And if you think about it, and everyone, everyone that you think is competent, that is like, like has their shit figured out, they're just putting one foot in front of the other as well. Like Elon Musk spills coffee, Jeff Bezos gets stuck in traffic, like all these titans that you uh, mythologize, like they're humans too. So why not you? Like you're you're playing small, you're shirking that talent, whether it be wittingly or unwittingly, is not serving you, your family, your friends, or the world at large. So for me, I have every excuse in the book to fucking sh- to shut myself up, to be uh, an, like, uh, what's it called? A recluse um, because I have this strange, odd disorder and ailment. I say no, because I know I'm more than that. And I know I have something to give to the world. And if that's just one person, that's success. And I think that goes back to like your telos, like if you are meant to be like a garbage man, be the best goddamn garbage man there is out there. If you're meant to be a writer, be the best goddamn writer out there. If you're meant to be a baseball player, like no matter is what you're meant to be, you were meant to be something. You have your story, your destination, your telos. Lean into that and be the best you you can be because no one else can compete. I mean, play be yourself. Everyone else is taken, right? So you don't have to be the best. You just have to be the best version of you. And that, because of genetics, because of your life, because of your experiences, is different from everyone else. So you're not playing against other individuals. You're playing against yourself. Like life, life more resembles golf than it does uh, tennis. You're not playing against an opponent. You're playing against yourself. Um, so, so that's what I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and just like when you're running um, in a race, and if you look at like your opponents – you slow down, you're taught to look straight ahead. If you look at your opponents, you slow down because you get distracted. Mm -hmm. Look straight ahead, don't look to the side, look at where you wanna go and work like a dog to get there because you most likely can. um, And even if you don't, aiming for that will lead to untold opportunities that you can't even imagine right now. And it has for me um, and, and I'm incredibly lucky and blessed that it has. Well, this has been amazing. Forget changing one person's life. There's thousands of people's lives on the other end of these microphones in the future that are hearing your voice. And I'm just thankful for your friendship. I'm thankful for you being here. I know you made a big difference. And I can't wait to go to an Islanders game, bro. You let me know. I am in. I am Anthony, in. I'll bring a uh, piece of white cloth. They don't sell it at the rink. Oh, dude, they're 7 and one right now. The Islanders are on a hot streak. So, uh, yeah, we shall we shall see. Maybe the long Stanley Cup drought may be over. Knock on wood, though. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Well, this is it for Extraordinary Excellence. Thanks for being here. Excellence comes from doing things extraordinarily, and I think for certain that Mr. Tom White has shown that no matter where you are or what you're doing or what you think you can accomplish, you can. You just got to show up, and whether you do or you don't, doesn't matter because in the act of doing it you're going to become the person you're meant to be so see you guys later bye bye now we miss you sean we love you sean (laughs) all right thanks